Hey everybody, this is Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their lives when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their heart, then from leading with their heart to leading with their head. In other words, we really uh, love to talk about leaders. We love to talk about what makes leaders tick on this show. And, you know, I had a very interesting event happen recently. I was able to, to sit in on a show Uh, an impromptu show with three guys who were improv comedians, and they were amazing. So I asked two of them, would you come on the podcast? And they said they would. So Jacob Simmons is here today, and Jacob uh, is, believe it or not, he's a a pastor. He's a preacher uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, but he is also a student and loves, a student of, I should say, and loves improv. And uh, so for fun, He started Fairway Theater with these other guys, and he teaches and performs improv comedy on a regular basis. The other guy that we're going to talk to uh, is Tim, Tim Casper. Now, Tim has spent the last 14 years working as an accomplished actor, both uh, stage and screen. Uh, So he has incredible improv training from numerous places he has he has uh, uh, worked with with stage plays he's worked with network television shows he's worked with feature films music videos award-winning short films he's really a professional improv actor or a professional actor if you will so when you get these guys together uh, there's just no telling what might happen but I did learn an awful lot from them in fact Tim has a business that helps other business leaders understand the power of improv and how it can help a team navigate change, how it can help businesses perform at a higher level, how it can help you to become a stronger leader. So I want you to think about that. And we're going to listen to Tim. We're going to, going to listen to Jacob. Now, I'm going to tell you, I did not expect this interview to go where it was going to go. In fact, right after the show, we decided to do an improv podcast. So for the first time ever, it's an improv podcast. I need to be quiet now so we can get in there and you can hear this this interview. You're, I think you're going to take an awful lot away from it. So let's jump in to the improv podcast with Jacob Simmons and Tim Jasper right now. Well, this is the first, and uh, thank you guys so much. I know you're tired, but you have just performed an improv show uh, for a group of people and and did a tremendous job. It was amazing. It was funny. It was hilarious. Um, You're incredibly gifted. And then, for some reason, you agreed to allow me to do an improv podcast with you thank you that that thanks, means it thanks Larry. we were held hostage a little bit <laughs> yeah the door is locked yeah, right it is now. it is yeah. robin has everything locked up so she, she'll release yeah, yeah. us all when this is over i hope so, yeah. we hope so. if not please call <laughs> so, oh, i love it I, I appreciate you i want to i want to take just a few minutes on this podcast this very different podcast for crossing the line and i want you to to teach us first about you uh, i want to i want to learn about improv i want you to tell us some things about that in a few minutes, but you are incredible leaders, and I want to know kind of kind of your backstory. So, Tim, we'll, we'll start with you, and let's just think, go back with me to a day in the life of Tim when you were six, seven, eight years old. What was that? Uh, whew, that's a heavy question. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't, uh, to be honest, I guess, I don't have a lot of, like, uh, positive memories from my childhood, really. Uh, my, uh, I, my mom, she raised me by herself but worked all the time. So I was alone a lot and uh, or with uh, maybe people who didn't have my best interest in mind. So um, I think I did a lot of, like, raising myself, and I think those were years that was very, like, uh, concentrated. Yeah, yeah, that's just what, yeah, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. You know, Tim, thank you for sharing that, for being vulnerable. And, and those hard times... You probably, you know, although there was difficult, not what you would have preferred, not positive, but there were some things that you learned from those times. There oh, were, absolutely. There were some yeah. things that helped make you who you are today. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, so, so we'll, we'll take that and we'll move forward just a bit to now you're in junior high school. Who is junior high, Tim? Uh, junior high school, I, th- I just started to, uh, I was in band. Uh, and that was a very uh, formative experience, sort of just what I needed. I didn't be part of, like, it was the first time I felt really like part of something. That's what comes to mind when I think of junior high was I was in band. And, uh, and uh, just since we're talking about leadership, uh, early on, I think at junior high, I was band president, you know, so I took on those positions because I loved really? it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was section leader you. as a trumpet player. Yeah. And uh, so because uh, I loved it so much, like, I, I, I want to be as, as involved with this as possible and so it's just that's the position for it, right? And that that carried on into high school where I was uh, played band again, section leader by the end of it, and band president in high school by the end of it. Wow! So, yeah, it. Uh, yeah, I found something that's like this is this is like the the family unit or the community thing that I've been like looking for, and it was very uh, pivotal for me. Yeah, cool. So, did you want to do that in college or at the next level, or did you say I'm just gonna I'm good here? I think I, yeah, I think I was kind of done. I, I didn't see a uh, career path for it necessarily. And I, I, I knew earlier on, I knew that I had a, a passion for uh, performing and working as an actor, which is what I, I do currently. So I always sort of knew that was a part of it, but uh, theater and especially film wasn't available to me at that time really. So uh, band was like the next, I got to perform, I got to be on stage, you got the trumpet, trumpet players, the, the ego, the, all the, the big egos go to <laughs> play the true? trumpets. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that. that's the, st- every instrument has a stereotype and trumpets, that and so it's more the more performative flashy one so i got the i got to do the performative thing and then once i got out of high school that's when i sort of switched and sort of pursuing performance art yeah how about that okay hold that thought for just a minute jacob yep six seven eight years old who are you i was probably like a bookish smart loved school kind of kid i had a, um, a great family that loved me well and was probably just kind of trying to figure things out. Liked, um, I liked sports and I liked people and I loved being around my friends. But yeah, that's probably uh, the best way to describe me at six, seven, and eight, I think. So so even in those years, what I heard you say is you, you were trying to figure things out. Yeah. Well, I came from a blended family where my stepdad raised me and so he earned the title of dad. And so that that felt formative early on. Years later, I realized I didn't have a father wound and was because my stepdad was just the best. My dad is just the absolute best. And so, but it still is kind of wandering through there. My, my brother was four years younger than me. So we were a great family unit, but yeah, you're kind of figuring things out in those early days. Mm-hmm. So as you kind of go up, let's go to junior high, Jacob, who were you there? Uh, probably even more trying to figure things yeah. out, if I'm honest. Yeah. I remember um, junior high, like not having close friends, but being able to kind of, um, be a butterfly between different groups but it's funny is that I loved being at church which no surprise I'm, I'm a pastor now <laughs> and so I, I was a church kid and felt 
a, a sense of calling and a sense of purpose and a sense of place at church in that community as well. So it's, it's no surprise that where we find ourselves in those formative years, you go, all right, I think I want to do this for others for that they could find their sense of calling here mm-hmm. uh, as well. So did that transcend into high school? Yeah, yeah. So I um, high school, I, I got a, bu- a good bit more confidence and learned who I was and what I was interested in and, and made some really good friends in my high school years. And then I really, I think, kind of took off in the college years because the school and the community and all those kind of things together uh, figured themselves out, I think. So I want you guys to think a minute as you were growing up in those, those years, junior high, high school, Think about an obstacle that you had to overcome. Think about something that was difficult, um, not pleasant, but you you had to go through it. And think about what you learned from that. And I want to ask you to share that with us. You know, we know that we strengthen our leadership muscles through adversity. Uh, I don't really like that, but it, that is the truth. And so, in other words, our struggles make us stronger, or they can if we choose for them to. And so think about your life with me for just a moment and a struggle, an obstacle that as a young man that you had to face. Tell us about that. I've got a, I got a pick from mine. God, um, man, I'm trying to think the lesson. Let's just go with it and see if we find the lesson. So I was a thinking about young man. Uh, this was eighth grade. I was, I was kidnapped by, uh, my father at the time. who's like, wasn't present in my life. And, uh, this so, is not a bit, is it? Oh no, this not is a not a bit. This is the true okay. story. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll give you the details later. <laughs> uh, yeah, just sort of like uh, creeped back in my, into my life and sort of was like manipulating things behind the scenes and sort of, uh, yeah, orchestrated this whole thing. And I spent, uh, yeah, like a summer um, in, in Georgia uh, at that age. And um, yeah, I, I don't know the, the lesson from that. I think it um, coming back was the lesson when uh, I finally came back home. It was like a, a I don't know, it... Um, taught me a lot about uh, what my mom's love for me, I guess, and like about who I was. I think I had to really just sort of grow up fast and think about my decisions. And I was sort of coming at that age where it's like, no, I'm autonomous. Like I'm making decisions around it. And do I want to make decisions like this that mm. hurt people in the way that they did? Yeah. And who am I going to be? This this hurt me. And who was this for? And it made me uh, probably a little overcorrection of like uh, lack of trust with people a little bit, you know what I mean? So I think it, it, I built up a lot of walls. I think I became like really strong as an individual at that time. Um, and so I think that that's carried me through a lot of my life. Um, and I think those, so those sort of trust issues, I've had to break those walls down over time, which has been tough. But yeah, when you ask about an obstacle like that, that was it. It's sort of like this paradigm shifting sort of thing. The, the, it happening and then sort of like being in it and then knowing it was wrong. And it just, it, I think it really fine-tuned my... I don't know, spiritual um, I don't know, consciousness or, or perceptions of like, this is wrong, you know, and like going back home is right. And I think it, it fine-tuned a lot of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I'm still sort of unpacking the, the benefit. I don't know. If, it's hard to say it's like this obstacle, but what good came from it? Well, that's a tough one. Well, you know, Tim, I, one of the things that I notice in doing these interviews is that every leader, every strong leader, has this adversity that he or she has gone through and they've chosen to learn, maybe not in the moment, maybe not when it was happening, but even as they look back and, and I can see what, because what you just told us was that you learned from this, you had to make better decisions than maybe even your dad or, or, or those that were in authority that you, you, you had to say, look, I don't want this. So you chose to find that strength. You chose to find that independence. You chose to find the, the ability to persevere. I mean, think about all those traits of leadership, perseverance, 
you know, being independent, being not allowing others to sway you into making those bad, saying I'm going to choose to make better decisions than what I had been exposed to. I think that's amazing. Absolutely, because I'm I'm the age right now that he was when that happened. Wow. And so it's caused me to reflect on those things a lot of like who, I don't know, who I sort of chose to be, those qualities that you just described. Um, I'm at least not perpetuating something, you know, I'm leading uh, in a different direction than that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Jacob. Weirdly enough, I was kidnapped by Tim's father. Right. What a terrible guy. I, it was the best summer of my life. I don't know. Is that so rude? Wait, wait hold that on. That was you? That was, oh, I was around and oh, we were, yeah. You were, I had a blast. You were the favored one during that summer. I remember, I thought I recognized you. Uh, anything summer. you say in response, and after that, it's like, ah, oh, grades were tough. Uh, you know, I couldn't ride my bike very well. Hey, you go first next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have started with you, Jacob. Uh, I mean, no, how would you know? How would you know? <laughs> yeah, so um, I will say this was uh, kind of ongoing. I referenced it earlier, so it's funny that it's come back up. But coming from a blended family, um, I very much feel you're always kind of finding your, your place. Um, it sounds obvious, but like my last name is different from my parents and my brother's last name. And that kind of walks with you of, okay, well, I'm a part of a family, but I feel distinct and unique in some ways because of other people's decisions. And so finding a sense and a place of belonging, uh, it was always really, um, it took a while, you know what I mean? What's interesting though, is that years later, Suzanne says that that, because you know, you're visiting family of people you don't spend time with because they're kind of distant or, you know, biological father, it's his side of the family. And I had a grandmother on that side I love, but I just didn't know them all. But she says that this actually gave you that, Jake, I don't feel awkward in a lot of rooms. Like I know how to work a room and know how to be uncomfortable, uh, be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And it kind of trained in me a willingness to say like, I kind of know who I am at this point because I've been through a lot of uncomfortable stuff uh, earlier on. Again, I'm so thankful that my mother remarried the best man and he raised me since I was two years old. And so it's not a wound in this way, but it, there are repercussions of those kind of decisions and those that kind of, they stuck with me for a little while. So going through those awkward times yeah, yeah, yeah. helped you today yeah. to know who you are and, and have confidence yeah. to, to be who you are. Yeah. And it, it feels like nothing's going to be as awkward as it was when you're 13 spending, uh, Christmas or time with family that you don't know that well, you'll never be as uncomfortable as you are in those situations. Oh, yeah. And so there's a bit of for there's sure. a bit of confidence that comes along with for that. Sure. Wow. And and for our listener, Suzanne is Suzanne is my wife, and uh, we've been married for ten years now. Yeah. yeah. So so from a leadership perspective, learning how to how to navigate that awkwardness, learning to to not allow your identity to be caught up in things you can't control. Identity is not uh, what your surroundings say, but rather comes from the inside outward of knowing who you are. It makes you look comfortable when you walk into the room. Mm, that's amazing. So, so guys, thank you first for sharing that. We learn from you and we learn from more from hearing about your struggle and overcoming than we do from your successes. But you both are incredibly successful. You're incredibly gifted. And I want you to kind of talk to us a little bit about how you got, first of all, what is improv? Let, let's start there. Yeah. Both of you are, you know, you have this this company uh, where you do improv shows. You have an improv theater, amazing, um, in Birmingham, Alabama. 
And uh, but tell us a little bit about let's let's define what we're talking about. Um, so improvisation is a relatively new theatrical art form, kind of developed in the 1950s uh, in Chicago. Uh, there were some precursors to it in Germany and Russia, or whatever, but it really coalesced. And um, uh, one author said that it's really America's greatest contribution to the theater is improvisation. Um, and it started in Chicago through the Compass Players and uh, Viola Spolin and these theater games, these games that were really meant for theater practice and rehearsals and getting out of your head and, and getting into your heart and, and responding with emotions and made you better actors. And this group realized that the games were really fun to play in front of an audience. That they weren't just practice and they were actually performance. And they would do these things and they were smart, quick-witted people from the University of Chicago. And one thing led to another and they founded the Second City Theater and the best ones became a part of a review and a show and then they would do an improv set at the end. So improvisation is really from one suggestion from an audience building a full uh, scene, a full collection of scenes, a full piece, a full play before a live audience. The suggestion shows to the audience that it's made up on the spot and through the rules and practice of improvisation, which is really the rule of yes and. Yes and, so that you say yes to whatever the person that you're doing the scene with, the other player, whatever they say, and then you add to it. So you, uh, I break it down a little further into you're listening, agreeing, and responding. That's what you're doing, you're listening. 80 to 90% of improvisation is listening, being a good listener, being listening to what they're saying, what they're implying, what they're suggesting, what their body language is. All, you're listening and you're taking it all and you're agreeing so that if Tim says, hey, have a hat, that is a hat. It's not something else, it's, it's exactly what they say and that how he says it suggests something about his character and our relationship. You're listening to all these things, you're agreeing to the truth of them and then you build on top of it. You respond to them with something true from your perspective. And from those back and forth, you very quickly build a scene that has perspective, that has relationships. And then from that, maybe the next scene builds on top of that. And you kind of start with this one suggestion and build the whole world and make wonderful discoveries. And um, it's a blast. It's really, really fun. You know, I saw that just a few minutes ago. You guys took took just a something from the audience, and you just continued to build and build and tell stories, and you had us captivated, and it was hilarious. But I can't help but think while you're talking how important that is in leadership, how important that is in relationships. So I want to break that down in a minute, but I want to let Tim tell us about the theater. Yeah, for sure. That was a really great explanation. Brother. Thanks, Top notch. Yeah. You've been studying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'll sort of, yeah, to segue into that, the way I sort of present uh, when I'm starting out a class like week one is, because uh, that's always the question, people know they want to do it, but they don't even know what it is sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, I'll ask them like, uh, so I'll ask, what is improv? And nobody knows what to say, like they're, I'm, I'm just here for it, I don't know what it is. And I try to say that it's a, it's a way of turning um, uh, chaos into order. Mm -hmm. And that the stage is sort of this open chaos where anything can happen. It's just a blank stage. Anything can and will happen. And it's like, how do we take those, this sort of chaos that, that comes up and transform it into this thing that uh, has a bit of like order to it and story to it and structure and then world building and relationship building. And it's through those things Jacob's talked about. It's, it's acceptance. It's a, a sort of easy way to look at it is uh, like a virtue is really. It's like acceptance. It's, it's listening. It's... Um, it's being vulnerable. It's being. It's trusting other people. It's trusting yourself and your own instincts. And uh, yeah, those. Uh, there's whole fields um, of uh, applied improv to how we apply these for businesses or schooling. There's. I don't think there's any human relationship that those virtues don't touch and yep. enrich. And so, um, what we found with. Uh, I always sort of think. You know, of course we're on stage and like we've had training and like our shows are like funny, but I do think that there's something when people witness 
especially like three grown men up on stage being vulnerable with each other, trusting each other, really truly listening, it's so rare that there's almost a cathartic release to witness that in public, you know, mm -hmm. that it's so rare, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's what, that, I think the laughs that people enjoy the night because of that, but I think what brings people back is that cathartic release of witnessing those things. And so our shows, we were starting doing, you know, shows, we've done this for a long time, but our current group, we're, you know, we're 30, 40 people were coming, sort of our friends and family and stuff. And then our last show had 230 people mm -hmm. at it. It's just people, there's a community that's wow. begging to be born. And we saw that happening. And it's like, we need to build a space for this to happen. And so uh, we found a space and it's, it's humble for now. We have big dreams, but it's called the Faraway Theater. And it's sort of the idea of like, this is a place where you can go and have this experience. And uh, right now we, we started offering classes and right now we have uh, currently 40 active students right mm -hmm. now. And uh, in the, the advanced levels, the people that have gone through eight weeks and are starting their next eight week of classes, uh, they are, they've started like a walking group. They've, they've been going to each other's like birthday parties and other creative events, like this whole community that, uh, because you don't act out those virtues and not build yeah. strong relationships. When with you somebody. put those virtues yeah. on its feet, inevitably community happens yes. and a celebration of one another happens. Mm -hmm. My favorite quote about improvisations from a group, TJ and Dave, and they're out of Chicago and they've been doing, they're the best in the country at this, but they wrote a book about it, Improvisation at the Speed of Life. And they say, when you get on stage, there's a million questions. Who are you, mm -hmm. where are you? But all of the answers to your questions are in your partner's eyes. Mm -hmm. You lock in on your eyes and every, every answer to the question you have is found in there. And between the two of you, you're gonna discover all the answers to the questions that you have. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which, when they, so when they talk about listening, you say, everything you're looking for, all the chaos that exists right now, if you lock in on one another, you're gonna find it together, which, uh, I don't know that I would have put it that way, but it's absolutely true because you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's coming next, but I know if we hang on to each other and we keep finding one another and keep those lines of communication open, that uh, all the answers that we need are going to come. Mm -hmm. And that exists in relationships, that exists in groups, that exists in churches, that, hey, it's, we can find the answers, but more important than the answers is the commitment we have to one another to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a vital lesson. So, so let's unpack that just a little bit, guys. How do we use this improv philosophy? Yeah. I'll call it that, right? That's what it is, yeah. How do we use that in, in our relationships? How can we use yeah. that? Because you talk about locking in to someone's eyes. You talk about truly listening. But break that down for me a bit. If I, Because let's say our listeners, you know, they want to have the ability to, to improve, you know, from whether it's a professional relationship, whether it's a, a personal relationship, what are some things that they could do to to kind of use these this improv philosophy to help enrich their their relationships? Uh, take an improv class. Yeah, <laughs> at the Faraway Theater. Uh, at the Faraway Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You can uh, hire one of us to come in to your business and help you out and to run. Because I do think so. These these sort of soft skills that we're talking about. Uh, we don't get a chance to exercise. I mean, we don't get like the cognitive fitness that you usually go, oh, I want bigger arms. I'm going to go to the gym and get bigger arms. I want to run faster. You can do that. But it's like, a, I want to be able to speak better in front of people. Well, you only get to do that when the pressure's on, yeah. you know? True. And so the class, you get this, it's sort of like a gym you get to go to and, and work these things out. And so I think that it's a very, it's a joke answer, but it really yeah. is. Like it's a, it's a chance where you have nothing but a safe, supportive environment to go in there and do that. And you find that a lot of times in, a, in an intro class there's people who f for sure want to get up and like ham it up on stage and be funny. But a lot of times you get people who are just trying to improve their, you were saying this earlier tonight, their public speaking skills, just being comfortable being in front of people, yeah. 
yeah. uh, getting over a stutter or whatever it is, you know, and it, it really is a, you, you do that for two months basically. Uh, and with loving people who are now at the end of it, your friends that you get that workout in. Yeah. yeah. To get to your question, I, yeah. I would go back to our basics of what is yes and, and, and listening. How good of a listener are you? Mm -hmm. And not assuming. Assuming is mm -hmm. the worst thing you can yeah. do in improv. Mm -hmm. It really is. Like, oh, he knows what I'm talking about. So you don't. Yeah. You're, you're in your mind and he's in his mind. And, yeah. and those lines of communication aren't open. So how, how are you really listening to the other person? And then agreeing, not saying, oh, it's fine. They're okay. But like, no, maybe they're not fine. Trying to, uh, what are we agreeing to? We would call it the base reality of a scene. Like, what's the base reality? What is actually happening here? So any type of uh, leadership uh, lesson would say you need an honest assessment of where you are before right. you know where you're going. Mm -hmm. That's the exact same thing. It's an honest assessment of what's happening here What before mm -hmm. we can move forward. And then slowly taking one step at a time. A lot of people want to jump really far away. You want to jump all the way to the end where there's things like, no, we, we have to build something mm -hmm. here before we have fully realized characters on stage. Yep. So you have to make those discoveries one at a time. It, it feels elementary when you talk about it broken down, but when you see it, on stage, it feels like magic. Uh, when yeah. when you're both committing to the rules, then you can really start moving quickly with a built-in trust. Yeah. But you've got to start at this one-on-one mm. -on -one level of, am I doing a good job of listening? What am I catching on to? What am I? How am I going to respond to that? And then you start building it, these muscles, and you can move much faster. Does that make sense? No, that's later? so good. That is so good. Um, and and I want us to. Man, I could I could talk about this you know, forever with you guys, but I want to, I want us to, to honor your time. And I know you're tired. You, you've done a show for us tonight and it's kind of late. <laughs> well, you've done a great job with sleep talking, but, but I want to ask you just, just, just a couple more things and I'll let you go. So take yourself out of improv for a minute. Um, there are, there are people listening who are, are trying to figure out their own identity, their own their own way in the in the world of leadership. Not not even leadership in a business sense, but leadership in their own life, leadership in their relationships. What would you say to someone who is just aspiring to learn? They're aspiring to lead better. They're aspiring to to grow in their life. Give us about two or three. Hey, these are life lessons that just just from the topic for what you've learned, just from from what comes to your mind. Give us, give us two or three things that you would say, hey, guys, you, you might want to think about this. Uh, I don't know. One thing that comes to mind for me is uh, sort of the, the cliche thing of, um, what is it? There's some, I think, like Eleanor Roosevelt or one of those who knows misquoted things. But it's like everything you want is on the other side of fear. I really think that uh, fear is such an interesting concept. And, um, and that sort of gets into like when students have like showcases when they're nervous. Mm -hmm. And I think people are, they're nervous to start. I'm working on like starting a business right now and I'm so nervous to like, and I have to remind myself, it's what I tell my students when they go, I'm like, you're nervous because you care, mm, yeah. you know? And it's so easy to forget that, right? To feel like, oh, I'm so nervous, I shouldn't do it. It's like, no, you're, you're nervous because you want to do it, you know? To, and so I think it's to remember that nerves can be like a, a signal for that and fear can be, uh, uh, a lot of times we have fears in our own head, right? And so to, to embrace that, and I always try to tell, it's very specific, but to tell to students um, that, you're nervous to go up. It's like that's sort of free energy. You've got to, you got to almost like welcome it because if you try to treat it as the as an obstacle, it is going to be an obstacle. But if you sort of like welcome, it's like no, like this means I cared. Then I have them like sort of breathe it in and let it sort of like course through their body a little bit. Very very artsy theatrical sort of uh, exercises, but it seems to help, and that, that was very helpful for me. I, I was talking about playing the trumpet, or I used to shake so bad when I played, and I, this is why I, I read about this stuff in a book about like nerves and stuff like that. And as soon as I started to welcome them, it liberated. 
my nerves and I could sort of like face and it's it's allowed me to trust my own instincts as I move through the world yeah, yeah. well that's great that's There's a great an, nugget a improv axiom called follow the fear like mm, as a yeah. group like what's the scary thing we can do and following that we're actually going to make richer discoveries when we that's do right. that than the safe ones mm. that we would pursue on our own follow the fear follow the fear it's okay to be nervous it means you care about it these yeah. are great oh yeah that's good yeah. good um, I would add, and this is probably from the Christian perspective because I work as a pastor, but I do think that we are uniquely and wonderfully made and that we are all made uh, with a sense of purpose and a sense of calling and that um, as we listen to ourselves and find out where our passions lie and where our hearts beat, um, we actually, it, we're tapping into the thing that God has made us specifically to do. Um, and pastoring young adults, you know, say, where is your greatest passion and the world's greatest need intersect? Mm. And that's probably right where you need to be. The thing that you get excited about that you know the world or those around you really need, follow that thing. And, and you'll probably find some ex extreme satisfaction and joy because God's made you who you are to do this very thing that you've found. Mm. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Guys, listen, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for speaking into to, to the lives of our listeners. Uh, I'm just truly, I know you could be doing a lot of other things like going to bed and sleeping or whatever, but, but you chose to come and, and share. And before I let you go, is there anything else that you'd like to leave with our listeners before we check out of here? Anything else? You got anything? No, nah, man. I'm happy to do this. Yeah, you. go see an improv show. Yeah, yeah. go see an improv show. I love it. What yeah. a challenge. We'll do it. Hey, guys and listeners, I did it. It's an amazing experience. If you've never been to an improv, you need to go do it. If you have been to one, go back again. You'll be glad you did. Thank you guys for joining us on Crossing the Line. Thanks, Thank man. you. Well, I'm going to go ahead and admit that I did not see that one coming. I had no idea of, of what we would uh, be able to hear and learn from these two incredibly talented improv uh, actors, and more than that, improv leaders. Uh, just a huge thank you and uh, shout out to Tim and Jacob for, for being willing to do an improv, just on the spur of the moment, uh, interview for this podcast. Uh, it was authentic. It was uh, meaningful and purposeful. Just so much appreciate the vulnerability of those guys. Learning how improv can help us in our relationships, help us to become better listeners, help us to deal with change, help us to deal with conflict, help us to be innovative and think outside the box. Powerful stuff. Uh, just a lot of fun, but a lot of purposeful fun. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, interview, and I hope that you took away some things. Uh, boy, I tell you, I did, and uh, I learned a lot. And I want to learn more about this this improv uh, leadership skill, uh, this improv and relationship skills. I think it's a, it's something that uh, we could all learn from if we're willing to open our minds and hearts. Hey, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of Crossing the Line. Uh, I just appreciate you more than you know. So we'll see you next time on Crossing the Line in order to make a difference in the lives of those we love, live with, and lead. Take care. This has been Crossing the Line with Dr. Larry Little. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our guests, Jacob Simmons and Tim Casper, and the Faraway Theater, you can find them online at farawaybham.com and on Instagram at Gladys Improv. You can support our work by subscribing or hitting that like button. 
To find more episodes, you can find Crossing the Line on iTunes, Spotify, or on our website in the show notes. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or want to learn more about us, contact the show through our website, eaglecenterforleadership.com. Until next time, thank you for tuning in.